there and welcome to Thrive Church Podcast here in Puyallup, Washington. We're so glad you found us and hope you enjoy listening to this sermon of the week. Matt, would you come and just minister however you feel led this morning? Come on. Thank you, Pastor John. Hey, man, isn't God good? Come on. I love that He's faithful. And what He's faithful to is He's faithful to His Word. And uh, um, my wife's going to just step in another room and feed our little ones. So, so some of you are not aware of our story, so I'm going to share just briefly that, and then we'll just sort of jump into what I felt like I wanted me to preach this morning, but um, me and my wife, we've been on this journey of believing God for children for uh, about 16 years. We've been married, it'll be 19 years in, in July of this year, and uh, so we've been just trusting the Lord, believing His provision, believing what He said, and uh, last year, well, I guess two years ago, we started pursuing the process of adoption, and so we went through all those steps, and uh Last year, then we got placed with a birth mom, and uh, then um, in January, January 12th, uh, our little girl was born, and it was just an incredible experience. Um, uh, my wife got to be in the room and be part of the whole process, and it was just incredible. And then uh, shortly after getting connected to a birth mom last year, then we found out uh, just a couple weeks after that my wife was pregnant. So uh, we will have a second one on the way uh, in April. So in two more months, we'll have a second one. and um, Super fun and exciting. So we pretty close to having twins. And uh, <laughs> so it's going to be an exciting journey. And uh, this year, 2019, I just believe is going to be an amazing year for for not only us, but for um, what God has for his people. And I, I think anytime you feel uh, challenged or um, feel a wrestle or contention, uh, maybe even in the natural, whether it be financially, whether it be emotionally, whether it be uh, in a marriage or something, can I just encourage you with this one thought that um, where you feel most challenged, you actually have the most opportunity available to you. Um, grace is this revelation of um, what you can't do, God all of a sudden fills the gap. So if, if, if we saw it this way, let's just say there's a huge hole here, grace would be the thing that would build that bridge or, or make an extension so you can go get from one side to the other side. And so where you feel most challenged right now, you know there's something greater for you uh, in your heart, in your mind, you're extending for it, but you just feel like, man, I can't get there. Grace is what empowers you to get there. And so I just want to challenge you, don't give up in this season. <laughs> don't feel overwhelmed. Don't feel, uh, 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 well, don't, let me change how I say that. You may feel overwhelmed, but the sign of feeling overwhelmed is a sign that God has a provision for you in that season. And I think what happens is we look at life circumstances and we feel like something's missing, something's broken, something's not happening. And we're like, God, where are you in the middle of this? And the reality is where there's something empty, or could we say it this way according to Genesis, where there's darkness and void, it's the opportunity for light to come and be present. Light is best seen in dark situations. And so your darkness, your challenge, your momentary setback is actually an opportunity for God to do something amazing uh, and powerful in your life this season. So this is what I felt like God wanted to, to speak um, about uh November of last year, 2018, I started praying. I tried to every single year and say, God, what are you saying for the next year, 2019? And so 
I felt like God gave me one word specifically, and I felt like God said that 2019 was a year of boldness. And uh, I, I think if we, we if we look at just some of the things that are already happening politically, the things that are happening in our world, uh, you know, you can look at the world and the climate of the world, and it seems like there's more chaos. But what's happening is people are just becoming. Um, we'll say we'll use the word opinionated, um, but just becoming more bold with their opinion, whether, you know, we're, we're pro-choice or pro-life, whether people fall in those different categories, people are becoming more aggressive and more opinionated and more bold with their opinion, their expression of that. And I think what happens is many times the church has taken the posture and the position of one of two things. Either we're just going to match the aggression of what other people do with becoming more aggressive, and so we become a little bit more defensive, a little bit more hostile, and we do it in our flesh, in our humanity, or we do the opposite. And I think this is where the church has fallen many times for the last few years, and we just become more passive. And so we just sort of take this backseat role and we're just like, well, you know, you'll do your thing, we'll do our thing. And what we do is we become very um, secluded and very, uh, um, uh, we're not inclusive, so we, we sort of become rejected. And what happens is we become these people because the world has rejected the message of Christ in many areas. We, bec- we become a rejected people. And so what we do is we take on a spirit of rejection. And you know, you've ever seen a person that has a spirit of rejection, they actually just reject everybody and everything around them. And they, like, everything's, like, why are you talking to me that way? Like, and everything is, like, all of a sudden aggressive and, you know, you're defensive and you're, like, everyone's out to get you. And I think what happens is we as a church, we think everyone's out to get us. When the reality is the people I see and the people I too talk to, people are hungry for the message of Jesus right now more than ever before. And I think what happens is because we have a rejected church with, filled with rejected people, we've actually rejected our identity of becoming a bold people and sharing the message of the gospel. And so I want to talk a little bit about uh, this year for you and I becoming a year of boldness. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open to Acts Chapter 3, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, and we'll just start reading in verse 13. I'm sure most of you have a smartphone, so you can look up on your Bible app there. So starting in verse 13, it says here, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing a man that who had been healing standing there with them, they could say nothing against it. I love that, but I'm not preaching on that today. But when they had commanded them to go aside, uh, uh, go aside out of the council that conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. But so that spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on that they speak to no man in this name. It's interesting in our culture today, you can talk about God, but all of a sudden you mention Jesus. 
like the conversation changes. You're like, oh yeah, isn't God good? You're like, yeah, he's good. And like everyone has a different idea of God, but all of a sudden you're like, hey, Jesus wants to be present in your life. You're like, like it, it draws like the line in the sand, like who you're really talking about here. And they weren't threatened uh, about the conversation around religion or God, but these people were threatened because the name was being pronounced. They were saying, this is the only way of salvation. And so here it says in verse 18, and so they called them in and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John had answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. And so they uh, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what God, uh, what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Skipping down to verse 29, this is the prayer they prayed after the release. It says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Love this situation. So Peter and John, uh, to the disciples after they received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, the 120 have been waiting for this promise. The Holy Spirit's poured out upon these people, these people that were just timid, sort of shy. Uh, in fact, many of them were just casual, you know, followers of Jesus. All of a sudden receive the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. They become bold. Peter and John stand up and preach in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people get saved. Acts chapter 3, the Bible says they're, they're on their way going to prayer. So they're going to prayer. And the Bible says there's this man that's laying there that's been there every single day. And so they come by and they see this man and this man begins to ask him and says, you know, hey, you know, I, I need some money. He's begging. And then Peter and John say, silver and gold, I don't have but what I do have. I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And so this man gets healed. And this is where we're picking up here in Acts chapter 4 that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are upset because Peter and John are not just telling a good message. Not even just giving hope to people, not even just encouraging people or giving out a handout, but they're literally doing what they're doing in the name of Jesus. And what's threatening the community and threatening the culture is they literally are advocating for a new way of life. They're literally saying there's a new way of life and it's only done by a life surrendered to Jesus. Now, what's why it's a challenge is because they're advocating there's a different king that we've not been following. There's a new king. Can we say it this way? There's a new sheriff in town. And his name is Jesus. And when he shows up, everything changes. And so they now have come, they've given their life to testifying about this uh, a change that's happened to them. And so they begin to preach with boldness. And this man's healed. And this is what they're being called to account on. Is that they're being called to account that they show kindness in the name of Jesus. And I think there's a difference. You know, in our culture, you know, uh, of tolerance, in our culture of just, you know, being nice, being friendly, and I think we definitely should be nice and friendly. You know, unfortunately, we have too many rude Christians. But I think being kind and actually being kind in the name is completely different. Because you can meet people that are kind people, but don't do it because they have the name or the authority of the name backing them and producing. I love that 
these men see this man being healed as a simple act of kindness. What is your kindness doing to the world? <laughs> what is your generosity in serving people doing to the world? Or is it just sort of fitting in and being culturally relevant and popular and like? I mean, let's be honest. We all like to be loved and liked. And so none of us ever want to feel rejected. And many times, because we don't want to feel rejected, we make a decision to simply play it safe. But this year, God's challenged all of us to make it a year of boldness. What is boldness? Boldness is this. It's not hesitating or being fearful in the face of actual or possible danger. It means to be courageous or daring. It means to not hesitate to break the rules, the mold, or the de defy the norm. It means to live beyond the usual limits of conventional thought or action. To be fearless, valiant, and brave. I wonder, what are the limits that we've set on our life? They're causing us to play it safe. I think every one of us have a place that we've set limits for ourselves. I don't believe God set, sets limits. I mean, He's limitless. He, he does the impossible. Like, this is His life, his, his nature, His reality is doing supernatural things. And yet, we as supernatural people many times set limits for ourselves. We're just like, you know, well, you know, I don't know about that. That looks hard. That looks challenging. That's difficult. I don't, I don't, got, I don't get the money for that. And all of those things that seem like limitations are meant to be broken. I mean, up to this moment, it was just great just teaching good things. But this, these men taught in the name that had authority that defied all the rules that caused culture to be changed, transformed, that literally caused literally cities to be turned upside down. And the question I want to ask is, where's our boldness? Are we being bold? Now, I'm not saying being bold is necessarily seen on the street corner and holding up a sign and you're like, you're going to hell, you know, if you don't turn or burn, like any of those things. But I think being bold is living life with purpose, living in such a way that people can see your life and know that you're completely different. Which requires us to do some things, requires to, to talk differently, think differently, requires to, to, to observe and do different things in life. Here, Peter and John come to this moment and they're being questioned about their boldness. And this is what's noticed about them, that they were bold because they had been with Jesus. Boldness comes from being with Jesus. Boldness is not a personality. I, I wish that, that it was just a personality because then some of us would be, you know, have an excuse. We're like, well, you know, it's not my personality. You know, it's not my gift. God didn't give me to be bold. Like, it's not my personality. It's not my, my natural makeup. I'm just sort of the guy that sits in the corner and chill. Like, but boldness is a gift that comes from the fruit of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. It comes by being with Jesus. The more you spend time with Jesus, the more you become like Jesus. And I believe Jesus was the most bold guy. I mean, can you picture Jesus? He walks into the synagogue. He walks into our modern day church service and he throws over the tables. I mean, if anybody came in here today and, you know, like turned over the tables like, Pastor John, I can't believe this church is like, ah. Like, 
it may get a little rowdy in here, like you know that roughed that person up. But Jesus shows up and he defies everything that's normal, everything that's conventional wisdom for the culture. Why? Because there was a fruit of intimacy came from this fellowship he had with his father. And so he was able to do things because he saw what his father was doing. Jesus said, the things that you see me doing are because I see what my father is doing. I don't do anything of my own accord or my own will. And the question I want to ask is, have you spent time with Jesus that's led you to boldness? Or are you just trying to get by in life? These men noticed they were uneducated, untrained. So boldness doesn't come not only from a personality, but boldness doesn't come from a gift or knowledge or teaching. It doesn't come from seminary. I mean, it's great to have, like, you know, classes on how to pray for the sick and how to prophesy and all those things. I think those are encouraging and help give us opportunities to learn and grow. But those are not what produce boldness. Boldness comes from what you do in your private time. I think boldness comes out of relationship. I remember, uh, you know, a moment when I was in high school. I was a senior. My brother was a sophomore. My brother's always been a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger um, than me and I, I was not being picked on but someone was saying something that I said something I didn't say and so I had these people that wanted to fight me and um, my brother just sort of stands up in, in front of me and he's like hey if you want to fight my brother you got to get through me and like you know all the crowd dispersed because like at that time he was like the guy at our high school that like nobody wanted to mess with and and when you have someone that, like, is like the big guy, the strong guy, the guy that no one wants to mess with, you get a little bit more vibrato, right? You're like, yeah, what, huh? Yeah, try it. And I think what happens is we don't recognize that we have a big and awesome and mighty God. I know we sing about it, we say it, but our lifestyle doesn't always line up with what we confess about God. I mean, the one who said, let there be light, and all of a sudden light showed up. Like, there was no argument, right? There was, like, no moment, like, where, like, light and dark were, like, going back and forth. Like, you didn't see the shadows running back and forth because light and dark were trying to fire. The moment God said, let there be, all of a sudden it came into existence. The question I want to ask is, where is our let it be? Where are we looking at things in our culture and our world and saying, no, that can't happen anymore. And I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to make a decision to speak to that situation, to speak to that environment, to speak to that person, to speak to that community of people. And that only comes when we understand that boldness comes because we have intimacy with Jesus. The Bible says here that the righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, anybody ever, like, been, like, face-to-face, like, in real life, not, like, watching your TV, but with a lion before? It's a pretty overwhelming experience. I had two experiences. First one, I was in Africa, and we went on one of these little safari things. You're in the car. They got all these lions out in the open safari, and they tell you two things. Don't roll your window down and don't get out, right? And so you're like, okay. But, you know, to get the best quality of photos, especially this is 15 plus years ago, like you couldn't, you know, we didn't have like just cool cell phones that, you know, had like high 4K video, you know, anything like all we do on photos now or phones now. 
we had like old school, you know, just like, yeah, disposable cameras, you know, those. And so I'm like, I definitely don't want to take it through the, the, the window. You know, so I wanted to roll the window down a little bit. I thought, you know, it's from here to, you know, cross the street, not a big deal. So I rolled the window down. And of course, I, I don't know why I felt like Zoom was by me getting on the edge of the window and sort of leaning out just a little bit. So I, I'm leaning out and, and I got the line just right there and all of a sudden he hit the button and, you know, those old disposable cameras got the little... And the lion heard the little click and all of a sudden, it's just laying there. It looks like tame, you know, docile. And like literally, I almost fell out of the window. The guy in there grabs my legs, pull me back in. And I mean, for the next 45 minutes, my heart is just beating as fast as it can. Like, you know, your life's flashing before your eyes and stuff. And that, that roar was a sign of like, okay, you intruded on my territory. I remember going to, uh, we were in San Diego some years, and uh, there's about five years ago, we went to San Diego Zoo, and of course, I love lions, so we went to the lion area, and we're there, and as we got there, all of a sudden, there's this one male lion, and it's just going back and forth, it's just pacing, and it starts doing this sort of like half grunting kind of sound, and I'm like, this is sort of strange. What's going on? And I thought, you know, maybe I had a toothache. Because it sort of sounded like really strange, like something was wrong with the animal. And then all of a sudden it just turns and it stops right in front of me. And I'm like looking at it and I'm like, and again, it just releases this huge roar. And, you know, I mean, it's on the other side of a, a, a fence and, you know, but just the force of this yeah. roar just pushes you back and, and I looked at our pastor friends. I'm like, whoa, that was crazy. They're like, no, that is like beyond crazy. They're like, we've been to this zoo. They live in San Diego. They're like, we've been to this zoo at least 100 times. We've never heard this lion ever roar once. And I, rem I started having this thought of, okay, what was distinct or what was unique about this experience? And come to discover that lions, they roar for two reasons. They release a roar to when intruder is coming to let them know that this is my territory, they also release a roar when they're going into another lion's territory to challenge a lion. And so I started thinking, man, maybe this lion wanted me to know that that was his territory, but yet he recognized there was a lion that was on the inside of me that was wanting to challenge Though that was in the natural, there was a spiritual dynamic that was happening. And the question I want to ask is, could it be that the reason why we've lost our roar is because we've been intimidated by the roar of the one who is a fake lion? The Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion. Meaning he's trying to appear like one. He's not really a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He wants to intimidate you. I believe the reason why we aren't bold and what God is calling us to in boldness is because many times we've heard what he said. We've seen what he's doing. We've seen the effect in our family. We've seen the effect in our home. We've felt the influence in our finances. We've felt his intimidation. We're like, ah, oh, yeah, okay, I don't know. I tried that. 
you know, we, we felt the, the, the roar of that line and we're like, why don't I just, I'll just go over here. You just stay over there and I'll go over here. And what happens is the enemy, his only tactic and only weapon to get us from not being bold is to intimidate us. Why? Because he knows he can't stop your authority. He can only intimidate you to make you feel like you don't have authority. I know that's good preaching right there. He can't stop your authority, only can intimidate you to make you feel like you don't have authority. The Israelites, they're getting ready to march in to uh, go and take the promised land. And they send out 12 spies, 10 come back, and they're like, yeah, um, we see all this huge, amazing fruit. We see the, the, the cities. We see all these things. But man, there's huge giants. There's no way we're going. We can't do it. Two come back, and it's like, they give the exact same report, but this one difference. They're like, we're well able, for God is with us. They saw everything else that the ten, other ten spies saw, but they recognized one distinct difference, that they were able because God was with them. I think the thing that is going to empower us to be bold in this season is recognizing God's with us. I mean, Jesus said it at the very end as he's getting ready to leave. He says, I'll be with you forever, always. Think the reality that we need to make us bold in this season to recognize that God is present right here in this circumstance. Not just here in this building, this room right now, but he's there right there in that moment where your boss is talking crazy and you're like, oh, I'm about to go off on you. Yes, whatever you say. So, like, you know, and I think what happens is we forget that God's with us. And so we feel like somehow it's us against them. Let me just say something. When it comes to reaching the lost, it's not us versus them. It's interesting because Jesus, when he looks at the lost, he says he's their sheep without a shepherd. It's interesting that Jesus calls people that have not yet made a decision, have not yet professed Christ, aren't following. In fact, many times they're even wicked and immoral people, and he sees them as sheep, simply without a shepherd. He sees them as people that are called in his image and likeness, and they simply need someone who is a shepherd, someone that knows how to be bold and give them direction. Shepherds, the role is to direct sheep to the right path, to the right pasture. Could it be the very things that are intimidate you or the very opportunities you're actually called to be bold and shepherd someone or something in that situation? I think the moments where I feel most challenged or most overwhelmed are the areas that I know I feel most called to. Me and my wife, we went down with uh, our pastors in uh, July of last year. And because we feel like we're called to uh, plant a church in L.A. And so we went down uh, last July. We started a, a, a Bible study, just private Bible study. So it's by invitation only. And it's for people that are specifically within Hollywood and the music, arts, and, and, and entertainment industry. And so we invited these. And I remember sort of showing up. You know, I, I've preached for years. It's probably been 19, 18 plus years I've preached. And so I go there and I walk into the room and immediately my heart just starts pounding. And I feel this sort of just anxiety, sort of like nervous feeling. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, these people are no different than any other people. 
Okay, maybe they have more influence in the world, they're known, recognized. But I thought, what's different? Why do I feel this? And I had the opportunity to either be intimidated and just shrink back, or the opportunity to feel like the reason why I'm feeling this is because God's giving me a moment to feel actually what these people in the room feel. Could it be that the very moments that you feel most intimidated is because there's other things and other people in the room that feel intimidated, overwhelmed, nervous, anxious? It's interesting that David shows up to Goliath. And as there's these 40-day battle going on between the Philistines and the Israelites, they come out every single day, they line up, and, you know, they're like, hey, send us your best warrior to fight our giant. And they're like, ah, and they all run away. Ah. You know, I mean, you can imagine like Lego, like movie style, right? You know, and they go back. And now this is the question I had in my mind. If Goliath was that bad, and the Philistines were like that confident. Why didn't they just rush the Israelites and just to defeat them all? Could it be that both sides were actually intimidated? Could it be that both sides actually were intimidated? But David, who had been with the Lord, who grew up as a shepherd with sheep that simply knew one thing, that I just get on my little harp and I just sort of worship God, that my strength doesn't come from any other thing. So when he shows up and he sees Goliath and, and he's being questioned, how are you going to go out against this huge, amazing Goliath giant that's been fighting people since he was young and you're just a little boy? And he says, you know, let me tell you a couple of stories. And he begins to recount the story of the lion and the bear that came. Could it be that your past victories should give you present authority to face your current situation? Think what happens is we forget that we have a history with God. <laughs> your relationship, your private time with God isn't just like, oh, Jesus, I love you. Oh, I feel your presence. But you know what's happening is you're cultivating a history of overcoming lions and bears, of overcoming the flesh and the demonic in your life, of overcoming challenges and adversities and things that have tried to get you to be intimidated. And you now take that history to this current situation right in front of you. I think Peter and John, the reason why they were able to lay hands on this man is because they had a history of walking with Jesus, seeing Jesus doing it. Jesus sending them out, them going out two by two and healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the leper, casting out demons. And so this was just another moment of repeating what they'd been trained to do their entire life. Your relationship with God is training you for what you're facing right now. I know it feels intimidating. I know it feels hard and difficult and like, I can't do this. It's so hard. Pastor, Joel, can you help me? I just, I, I want to give up. What you've gone through is prepared you for what you're facing right now. Can I say it this way? What you've gone through is preparing you for what God has prepared for you. God's prepared something for you, but yet he's been preparing you for what's been prepared for you. So you don't go in just like, well, I don't have any skill, any ability, I don't have any knowledge. You go in bringing all this ability because your relationship with God gives you the power to be bold. Let me give you my second thought. My notes keep, you know, 
freezing because my wife has a passcode and then after like a minute it changes so or it doesn't change but it goes to that black screen second thing we have to understand in if we're going to be bold this year is boldness must though be in response to God's word and command why is that important because I think sometimes we make decisions to try to be bold and we just do it on our own and that creates problems that creates, could I say, presumption and assumption. Like, oh, yeah, you know, God said he's going to bless me, so therefore I just, you know, I know that he gives me the desires of my heart. Well, you know what I really want is I want to buy that $100,000 car. So you just go out and you do it. Now, I know none of you in this room are thinking about that, but, you know, like if that ever crossed your mind, and you're like, I'm just going to go and do it. And what happens is we use Scripture to make decisions sometimes to do things that God's not given us His command or His word on. Now, now, hear me. I'm not talking about, like, God doesn't want to bless us, but I'm saying sometimes we make decisions that He's not given us direct instruction for. These people were instructed by the Lord to do something. And when we follow the commandment of the word of God, you know what happens? He always backs his word up. He doesn't back up your opinion. He doesn't back up your personality. He doesn't back up your desire to even try to want to defend him on social media. Like this is the reason why pro-life is right and all. You pro choice people are bad and evil and horrible and corrupt and going to hell like like he doesn't back that up but you know what he does back up he backs up the communication of the truth of God's word he backs up scripture he backs up his command and when you do that you will be able to take boldness to a whole new level because you're not doing it based upon your opinion, based upon your feeling, based upon the current circumstance or situation, based upon trying to uh, uh, defend something or, or, or trying to just make a decision. But boldness comes when you actually do things according to God's word. It says here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, it says, You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do the, they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in that house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is what I feel. Boldness is heard many times, but more importantly, boldness must be seen. What does that mean? Yeah, we need to speak out. We need to speak up for the unborn. We need to speak out against injustices. We need to become those that champion the message of Jesus. But could I just propose that most of the time, boldness should be seen more than it is heard. That your life should be the representation of someone who's different. That when people see your life that, that defies the norm, that defies the average, that breaks limitations, that, that's courageous, that, that, that is not normal. They're like, wait, you have a bold life. Why is your life so different? Why is your life so shiny and bright? And why, is your, why are you always happy when like, you're going through challenging moments? You know what that is? That's boldness. Yeah. And it causes people to ask the reason you have hope. I think sometimes, though, we want to say everything before we actually live everything. Now, 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 hear me, don't get me wrong, that we shouldn't be those that are bold preaching the gospel. 
that we should be those that actually tell the message. We see in Romans chapter 10 that we actually, a person believes by hearing the word. So I'm not saying like, okay, we're just silent Christians and just live your life and, you know, hopefully they'll just by osmosis, accept Jesus into their heart because what they see. No, I'm saying maybe it should be that they see boldness on you before actually they hear about your boldness. Maybe they should see something about your life that's completely different before you tell them why your life's different. It's interesting. I think some of the best stories are stories that actually have a little bit of darkness in them what I mean a little bit of tension in the message anybody ever watch some of those Christian movies and you're like oh I don't even know where this is going before you even like it's the first five minutes you're like okay these people are getting divorced and after by the end of the movie they're gonna get you know come back together he's an alcoholic abusive and you know it's all gonna work out in the end and Jesus is Lord right like you know the message already in the first five minutes right and I think the reason why those those movies many times don't work for us you know as Christians because we're like man it's just it seems like yeah it's unrealistic and it's like like you didn't let anybody like watch your life before you said, like you gave the punchline here before we saw anything with your life. I think sometimes we're wanting to be so outspoken that people start asking questions about our life and they then begin to see the contradictions. But maybe boldness is just you doing life the way Jesus designed and people seeing such a difference that they ask questions about your life. Like Peter and John, as they stand up and preach in Acts chapter 2, then all of a sudden the men said, what must we do to be saved? Like they didn't deliver the punchline. They showed their life by being filled with the Spirit, like, man, these people look drunk. What's wrong with these people? These people are crazy, obnoxious, out of control. Like, what's different about their life? And they're, like, asking the question. Think what our culture is doing right now. They're asking a lot of questions. And my next statements aren't meant to be political, but I think they're asking a lot of questions. Questions like, you know, why, why are we going to not let people in from other countries? That's how it's perceived. No, I'm not saying that's the truth of the reality. Or wh why are we, you know, doing all these things with taxes? Or why, why do we have this message? Or why are these things happening? And I think the reason why they're asking questions is because they see a dichotomy many times in those that should be the most bright. You ever see that person that, always has an answer for everything. And then you're asking like, but why is their life not line up with all the answers they see they have? Okay, none of you have friends or people that are around you. Okay, maybe I'm the only one that has. I'd rather just have someone live a certain way that causes me to be curious, be like, man, why are they always full of hope? Man, why do they seem like not that they always say they have the answer, but what does it seem like they always have solutions for whatever they're going through? I think boldness in this season of our life has to be seen more than boldness has to be heard. It says, let your light so shine before men. Let your light so shine. 
Let it be so bold, so bright, so brilliant, so overwhelming that they see your good works and come to glorify your Father in heaven. Our works should be so bold that people are like, wow, I don't know how that, there's no way that you can do that. I mean, I know the background you came from, or I know the education you have, or I know, you know, the struggles you've had in your marriage. Like, there's no way, like, but it's so bold, so brilliant. They're like, well, maybe this God thing that they've given themselves to is real. I think the last thing is this, is boldness should always produce God kind of results. If we really are bold, it shouldn't produce common or normal. Everything Jesus did when he was bold produced amazing results. Think sometimes we live our life normal and then we're asking people who are normal also but don't know Jesus, come into the faith because your life is going to be so much better. And they're like, hmm, you look just like me. You got the same struggles, same problems. Like, oh, oh, what you're saying is like just putting Jesus over it makes you feel better about yourself? Huh. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll just do mine by drinking and partying and, you know, whatever other choices. But I think, when we live a bold life, it should produce things that are impossible. It should produce supernatural kind of things. This is their prayer. Grant to your servants that with all boldness that we would speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant. See, when you live a bold life, it should produce supernatural results. I remember a season of my life that I, I was really desiring to, you know, do everything I could to obey God, you know, try to minister as many people as I could. And I, I, just, I was just looking back at some of these, these things, and I'm like, man, people that were healed, the, the lives that were changed. I mean, I started thinking about, you know, this one moment we were driving over to Yakima with our interns, and I'm driving by myself. We have all of our interns in cars behind us, and... I just get this flash of this man's face, you know, that sort of just appears as we're, we're driving. And I just immediately know, okay, we're supposed to get off this exit and I'm going to meet this guy at a gas station. I don't know why I knew that. I just knew it. So we get off and we, we show up to this gas station and here there's this, this gentleman that I saw the flash of his face just appear, you know, in my, my spiritual eyes. And so I just walk up to him and I say, hey, you know, excuse me, sir. You know, this may sound sort of strange, you know, and it's like, explained just briefly, you know, and I said, this is what I felt like God just wanted me to encourage you with this. And I said one simple word. I said, God said, everything is going to be okay. And this gentleman looks at me just with disbelief in his eyes. And he goes, you don't understand. He goes, what you just said is going to forever change my life. And I thought, I didn't get anything profound or deep. I didn't say, hey, yeah, when you were 12 years old, this happened to you. And by the way, your birthday's, you know, March 12th. And like, nothing profound. But you know what? <coughs> Me being sensitive to the Lord, my relationship with God, produced a boldness that when I obeyed the voice, I obeyed the word of God, it produced a supernatural kind of result. Can we tell you that supernatural results 
don't always come in supernatural packages. What I mean, supernatural results don't always come from just praying for the sick, having a prophetic word. Supernatural results come from you stepping out and giving an act of kindness in the name of Jesus. It's interesting that they were dumbfounded. This man was healed, but what they called it was a simple act of kindness. Could it be your act of generosity this year? Your act of kindness, your act of love, your act of, of serving someone is one of the most bold, outrageous things you can do that will produce a supernatural result. Whether it be saying something as simple as, hey, I just want you to know God says everything's going to be okay, and that having such an impact. Or it be something like, I had a friend of mine who, it was sort of around the same season. I mean, I'm thinking about like all these crazy, dramatic things that happened in this season. And there was a, a young girl, she worked at a bank, and she, she sent us a message, and she said, hey, can you pray? My friend lost a ring. I said, sure, we'll pray. I mean, there's... All you do is just pray, right? And if you make a decision to live a bold life and you have a relationship connected to God that produces bold things, then God produces supernatural results. So I just said, okay, yeah, I'll pray. And then the next thing I, I know, I see this little chicken-type creature. Like, it looked like a little toy. And I'm like, um... Yeah, I'm praying. I said, this sounds strange. I don't know why. I said, I'm just going to tell you what I see. And I said, this is what I see. Like, oh my goodness, that's in our drive through window at the bank. Like, and immediately I'm like, okay, I'm on the right track. That seems really stupid, Jesus, that you would show me a chicken creature. And this is what I'm saying, is when you have a relationship with God, it produces a boldness. It causes you to have a confidence to step out and take risks even when it seems stupid so i said okay well i'll keep on praying and so you know make long story short i give all these descriptions and we go from the chicken creature to hey i see this filing cabinet and i see behind the filing cabinet you have like this linoleum type thing and like it's actually lodged behind like this and they had to go and get a crowbar to get behind the filing cabinet to pull off the 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 what do you call that the um the trim, the baseboard there, had to pull that off, which was like that sort of old, like, um, rubber type. Yeah. And it was lodged in there. And this then becomes a testimony to this young girl who lost this ring. And I thought, that comes not because I'm gifted. doesn't come because God... You know, he's given some kind of credible power or ability to me that he hasn't given to other people. It comes because I trusted my relationship with God. And that relationship with God produced the ability to say, you know what, I'm going to take a risk. When you know that you have a relationship with God, it causes you to take risks. It seems foolish. Told Maggie this year, I said, I feel like this year for us, um, the Lord said something very specific to me. He said, Matt, this year you have to risk it all. And I'm like, I don't know what that I don't know what that looks like, but I do know that sounds scary. Let, let, let's be honest. 
Just because you have a relationship with Jesus, no matter how close you may feel that is, boldness always requires risk. And it always, or let me say, it almost always it makes you feel initially like, whoo, God, I don't know about this. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I've been prophesying over people for years. And still, I have moments where like, God, I don't know about this. And I learned this principle, and I'll just end with this thought. Learn this principle. Is your, your chemistry in your body and your nervous system don't know any difference between fear and excitement. You, you notice, like, when you're excited, like, your heart starts beating. Sometimes if you're, like, really excited, like, you start perspiring, sweating. Like, you know, like, you get these, like, sort of, your hands starting getting warm, twitchy, you know, like, but you notice, like, when you're afraid, the exact same feelings. It's what you determine in your mind and what you call it that determines whether it's excitement or it's fear. The enemy doesn't know any different. So he just makes you feel something and then it's on you to determine, oh, I'm so excited, man. We're gonna go, we're gonna go take land, we're gonna kill giants, we're gonna overwhelm, you know, people, we're gonna raise the dead, we're gonna do all these things. But initially it feels like, oh my goodness, this looks like a hopeless situation. That person looks like they're gonna die of cancer. Oh my goodness, like I can't really talk to those people. Like, oh, what's gonna it's gonna all fail. And the same emotion runs parallel. You have to make a decision. This is so exciting because God's going to show up. And you take a step and take a risk. And when you do that, this year you will see supernatural kind of results. I know some of the things that we're talking about with, you know, planting a church down in LA. Like, there's a lot of unknown stuff. In fact, I don't know most of anything. I'm like, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of, you know, we need people. We need a lot of things. And yet... I do know this. God says I'm faithful. And if I simply obey him, I know we will see God kind of results. This year, Thrive, if you simply obey God, you'll see God kind of results. If you simply obey God and make bold steps this year, you will see God kind of results. Things that blow your mind that no one could dream or hope or imagine. No one can just organize and put together by gift ability. Amen? Amen. Does that encourage you today? Does that challenge you? Does that get you sort of fired up like on your soul? You're like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Like, yeah, like, no, no, hear me. When you walk out the door and you go home today, like all the things that you're like, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to start a business. Like, we're going to go to the nations. We're going to, like, my family's going to be different. Like, there's going to be a voice that's going to come later on today called intimidation and fear. And what you have to do is you have to rename it. I'm so excited. Man, God's going to show up. God's going to work. Because if you don't, that voice of intimidation will keep on speaking. And you'll be like the ten spies. They're like, no, we can't. Be like the two. It's like, we are well able for God is with us. Let me pray over you as we close. Father, I just thank you for each and every person that's here today. For those that have gathered and said, God, we, we want to see a church that transforms Chappelle up in this region.
God, we're, we're gathering because we're, we're believing that we're people that carry transformation, that, that we're a living encounter to the world. I ask Holy Spirit that you would just breathe upon each and every one of us. Yes. And that God, the power and the presence of Jesus be so tangible and real that God it would empower us this year to be more bold than we've ever been bold. Yes. God, it says in Scripture to not let us fear man at all. Let's not fear anything, but only fear God. So God, I pray that the fear of the Lord increase in us, which will give us a greater boldness, God, to resist the enemy, and he will flee from us this year. Holy Spirit, we ask for the hand of the Lord to be upon this church, upon Pastor John and Angie and God, upon all those that are gathering, God, to, to lead this congregation, God, into the new endeavors you have for them here in 2019. We bless you. I just want to, as we close, I want to just pray and minister for to a couple people and then we'll hang out as long as we need to, but I know sort of this official close thing. Um, do you guys know if you're having a boy or a girl yet? A boy. A boy, okay. Um, you know, I, I just felt as I was praying during worship and stuff, I just sort of felt like God was saying that there's, there's a warrior that's, that's in you. And um, one of the things I was thinking of specifically is, like, I saw, like, this, this old, like, uh, medieval time, like, warrior dress. And I just felt like the Lord was saying that, that your child was going to fight for um, those that felt overlooked and rejected. Like, your child was going to anointing the gift to um, redeem people that other people have given, been given, given up on. And that you would even just see, the moment this child comes out and is born, like you would see this just strong personality and this just strong, like just, uh, like you're like, man, this, this child is like already ready to like try to change things and do things. Like, you know, there's going to be like these, these markers that doctors say, you know, like this normally happens in this time, but like he's going to be ahead of those markers because he's always trying to push that limitation, try to push that. And, and I feel like what God's <laughs> saying is there's going to be a spirit of like, fire anointing on, on this child and I feel like there's going to be an anointing to do the work of evangelists on this child and what I just sort of sense uh, this child will will lead many people to Jesus and it, it, it's this your son's gonna is anointed to help usher in this this last end day sort of revival whatever you want to call it but this this awakening that's going to happen and I just feel like he's going to have a pivotal role in in fighting specifically for those that have been given up on so he's going to have a heart for those that have been given up on maybe those that are overlooked and those are the people that he's going to reach and, and reap a harvest in that area so father do you have do you have a name already Levi, Levi. God we just bless Levi we thank you you've anointed God, this son, God, this, this anointed one, God. Yeah, this, this one that God will be anointed, God, to break the powers of darkness. God, anointed to set free, God, a community of people that have been overlooked and, God, even been enslaved to injustices, God, in our nation. I just feel like, God, there's an anointing, God, to, to um, see through, God, the veils and see through the, the, the things, the walls have been built up, God, that he's going to be someone that's going to bridge the gap and then, God, in a gatherer, God, a gatherer of a harvest. And God, so we bless, God, this couple. We pray, God, that you continue to give them wisdom, insight, 
and, and grace, God, to raise his child and call and passion. We just declare your great grace upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What, what was your name? Anna. I felt like Anna, like God just said, this is going to be a season of incredible joy for you. And um, I just felt like what God was, was showing me specifically is he was breaking um, off of you and off your family. Like there's been like these generational patterns, I feel like there's been. And I just felt like God says, you're going to help set a new pattern for your family. And it's going to flow through you, flow into you. See, you had a son. Flow in, into your son and flow all the way in, in tight. Your rest of your family is going to be touched and changed because what God's working in you. And I just felt like the spirit of abuse was be broken. Like you're going to help break abuse and abusive cycles that have been sort of in your family and your generation. And you're going to help bring hope to people and hope to your family where you know people just sort of settled into a routine. Like it's been this way and this is always going to be. But I just felt like you're going to give hope to people where people are going to dream again and people are going to say, man, we can do something. Um, and, and I feel like God is saying um, there's some training and education that he's bringing to you. I don't know if you're doing some, some education or, or some schooling right now, but I just feel like there's something that he's going to train you for for this next season. And I felt like what I see is I see you're like a rescuer. So you're a person that you, you, you reach in and it's almost like, like I see like this nurse outfit and you're like helping people um, feel safe and comfortable and transition from one season to the next season of life. Um, but I, I just, I really feel like specifically like in your home and in your family, like God is just, he's coming and he's going to be strong on your behalf and um, he, he's going to, he's going to pull together at any fractured pieces and things have been broken. He's just pulling those things together. So, so Father, we just bless Anna. We thank you for her family. Thank you for uh, her amazing son. God, we thank you that, God, he's going to be a champion of champions. God, he's going to be like a David. God, he's going to be one that, God, would be yeah, a dread champion. He's going to be one that overcomes giants. God, God is starting in Anna, and it's going to move into her son. God, that they're going to break generational habits and generational patterns. And, God, they're going to establish new habits of blessing, new habits of blessing for their home and their family. Um, I just feel like even God saying, you just being here and being in this church is establishing a new habit that's going to that's gonna change your entire family. Your entire family is going to encounter the goodness of the Lord. And I felt like even also God's just saying, you know, don't hold your past against yourself because he doesn't hold it. Um, and what he's seeing is he's taking all those pieces and he's actually making something beautiful from it. So God, we just bless Anna. We bless her family. We thank you. Father, we just thank you for all of us in this room, God, that this year we're going to be more bold than ever before. In Jesus' name.